Well, good evening everyone. I am back from holiday and what a holiday it's been. Fun in Pembrokeshire, but it's great to be back. Actually, I haven't gone yet because I arrived back today and I haven't quite mastered the art of filming sermons on the way home from Pembrokeshire in the car. So, let you into a secret. This has been pre-recorded for once. And it gets interesting because what if I've died on holiday? This becomes a really spooky sermon. Post, posthumously, posthumously. It's weird, creepy. I might be in glory right now, which is better. Um, so anyway, if I did croak it on holiday, I'm glad this is my last sermon to you, Park End. Because I've come, become quite fond of you all. Rita, if you're listening and in the holiday somehow I've died and you haven't, I hope you have a pleasant rest of your life. Jensen and Levi, behave. And uh, trust in Jesus and I'll see you there. So that was an interesting start to the sermon. Um, let's just crack on with it then, shall we? Please go to John chapter 1 if you like reading the Bible and following from home, otherwise I'm going to stick it back up on the screen in a minute. John chapter 1, the title is, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. What a friend. No better friend. Children, if you're into drawing, obviously if you're a bit older now, you should be getting in the habit of sitting and trying to listen and follow what I say and really, uh, you know, taking it in. But if you're still at the age where you need some sort of distractions, try drawing your best friend in the whole wide world, whoever that is, your best friend. And then halfway through, I'm going to ask you another thing about your best friend. So a nice big picture of your best friend. Just think about now what qualifies them of being your best friend. My best friend is actually Jesus. Um, and I hope that we'll all get to that stage where he becomes our best friend. I don't always treat him like he's my best friend, mind. I often let him down. He never lets me down. And by the end of the sermon, I want every listener to say, oh, now I see reasons why Jesus is my best friend. And I can't believe I didn't see it before. How sinful and ridiculous was that? Um, so that's where we're at. Uh, let's start with a little quiz. I'm going to put... Um, so John has written this passage... John wrote some other things as well about Jesus. Um, basically, the most and only Christian thing about Christianity is Jesus. The only Christian thing about Christianity is Jesus. That's what makes Christianity Christian, because of the Christ man. And Christianity is all about being best friends with Jesus. And he tells us all about his Father in heaven and how wonderful he is. Check this out, just in case you've forgotten that Christianity is friendship with Jesus. Here are some verses. Now, children, what is the common theme in these verses? Ready? John 13, 23. So it's the same guy writing. John 19, 26. John 20, verse 2. John 21, verse 20. What's the common theme? John and people are loved.
by Jesus, loved by the Lord. And in actually there's a cool thing in uh, John, 20, uh, John 13. John actually leans on the shoulder of Jesus during that first ever communion meal. They're just reclining as friends. What a friendship. Don't forget that. Friendship with Jesus. Okay, I've got another question. Um, name me like, what happens to people, to people who become best friends? Can you think of some qualities which might make you think, oh, those two are really close friends? What kind of behavior things do they do together? And everybody around watching going, wow, they really know each other. Uh, maybe it's an old married couple or your friends in school. Like what makes them, what are the traits that they are best friends? I've got a few. Um, they grow up together. They spend a lot of time together. Sometimes they finish each other's sentences. Have you ever seen that with really close friends? They almost know what they're thinking. Um, they know each other backwards. They can order food for each other in restaurants. That's a good one, isn't it? Um, when children are really close friends, I knew two children in one of my old, old churches. The girl, the sister, could understand what the brother was saying even though no one else could, because he couldn't quite speak properly yet. But the girl had understood the language the little toddler had developed. And she could understand it and then pass the messages on to the parents, like, oh, my brother needs the toilet, my brother wants a banana, my brother wants a new Game Boy or something like that. She would pass those messages on, understanding even each other's languages and the like, the words we speak and the meanings we have, that's all the way through the book of John. John's just showing how close Jesus comes to people, how human he connects with people on a human level. I got a scary story now, quite an upsetting one, so listen to this. One of my heroes is uh, John Patton. John Patton went to a really dangerous country to tell people about Jesus when they hated Jesus, but he still risked his life. Um, He's from Scotland, and it was in the 1800s, so a few of our members in Park End would remember it, but most of us weren't born. 1868, him and his new wife, they set sail to a cannibal island of Tanna, uh, the island of Tanna. Within a year, his wife had died out there, and just before that, his wife had given birth, and the little baby died as well and went to heaven because it had a fever and they didn't have medicine. So John Patton within a year had lost his little baby and his wife. Both had gone up to be with Jesus in heaven and he was left behind. But he said this, now listen to this, imagine being in that situation. He said this, if it wasn't for Jesus I would have gone mad. On her deathbed, when his wife was dying, uh, she said, I don't resent God for bringing us here. And she said this, if I could do it all over again, I would. And I'd do it with even more pleasure to come here and serve Jesus in spite of all the loss. Yes, she said, I would serve him with all of my heart. 
How do you get like so in love and close to Jesus? How do you get past Christianity just being this strange little religion that we have to keep up to actually saying, he's my best friend, what a friend we've got in the living God. How do you get to that position? John, the writer of this book, because he was best friends with Jesus, people bullied him and hated him. He actually got sent to an island. He was exiled to live on his own just because people couldn't stand him anymore. And he was stripped away of church, friendships, a job, maybe like a girl he liked, or maybe a wife. Or was he... I can't remember if he had a wife or not. That bit was speculation. But still, he wrote books about Jesus. Even on the island, he had like massive visions about how special his friend Jesus was. How do you get there? When I was in Tonaruan and Lanishan, I used to get bullied for being a Bible basher. People really didn't like me because my family went to church. And like, it, it sort of hurts. But, I'll tell you this. All of those friends who didn't like me because I went to church, they're not my best friends now. Jesus is. He's outlasting all of the people that I grew up with, and he's more faithful as a friend to me than they were and ever will be, and me to them. Jesus is still here. Do you believe that he is the best friend that we can have on planet Earth? John was a believer. And he wrote this little uh, epistle here, uh, this book, sorry. He wrote this gospel here all about Jesus. And there's something really important. Like, how do we stay connected to keep seeing Jesus, to keep trusting in him? How do we see how amazing he is? Well, listen to this. Here's John chapter 14, 26. We won't get anywhere in seeing that Jesus is our best friend without asking God for this gift. Ready? The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring about to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Today's sermon is, what a friend we have in Jesus. And there's a fact that some people watching this just don't think he's a very good friend. They don't love him. They haven't turned from their life without him to a life full of him. They're not interested. What can we do if that's us? The first thing we've got to do is now pray right now to the Father. Father, send me your spirit because he'll come now and he'll help me see Jesus, trust Jesus. That's why he's called the helper. So you've got to do that. That's basics. Ask the living God to come into your heart. Uh, wash you, cleanse you, get you ready to be part of his family and start to see how Jesus is amazing. Because one day, even if you are a Christian, you're going to have a tough day. It's going to be a dark day. You're going to be tossed about to and fro with all sorts of things. How are you going to still say, wow, Jesus is worth it? Even though like my child may have just died. Or my wife has just died. Or I've lost my job. I've lost my health. People in church have really hurt my feelings. How are you going to keep saying it's worth it? It's worth it. Jesus is my life. How? You need a helper. You need a helper. That's why he's a helper. Because he knows that's going to be a hard day. Ask him now. Be the best thing you've ever done. 
And all I want to do now is explain reasons why he's your best friend. So you can carry on living for him, being in awe of him. So let's get really interesting now. Let's look at him, Jesus. Why should we make all of our lives about him? Here's verse 1 of the passage that was read. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So, before you were born, before Park End was built, before the world was made, the living God was in like fellowship with himself. Father loves the Son. Son loves the Father. The Spirit like binds them together in love. Spirit is obsessed with Jesus. Father is obsessed with his Son. It's like this loving union of three. Right? That's before the world. Now check verse 14 out. The Word, so that's Jesus, became flesh. See, human. He started having bones and skin and he was born of Mary. And he made his house, or he made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So now what I want you to do is, you know that best friend you've, you know that best friend you've drawn? Draw Jesus behind them. Like, before them, around them, maybe even giving them to you. Because you know those best friends that you think you've got, and you have got? They are made by Jesus, and given as a gift to you. The only reason we've got best friends on planet Earth, if Jesus wasn't your first answer to who your best friend is, the only reason we've got any friends that we might have drawn on that page, people being kind to us, loving to us, church, family, is because Jesus, who was before the world began, made the world and gifted you, your friends. So it's like, whoa, now I'm starting to see something of how kind he is. He's the one that's given me all the good things in my life. That's one reason why he is better. You're like, all right, Owen, are you sure about that? Okay, just read verse 3. Through him, that's Jesus, all things were made. Now, just pause there. What's in your life which really brings you joy and happiness? Good things. Who gave them to you? Who came up with those ideas to invent them? The living God. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. I'm just going to flick forward, hold on, to Colossians where the Apostle Paul, he loves Jesus, he says the same thing. Listen to this, verse 16. For by him, that's Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. So in the beginning was this word, Jesus. Verse Genesis 1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens. Jesus was in the beginning too, and was part of the creation of everything. Let me tell you something interesting. 
Well, I think it's interesting. Just to bring home how real and personal the Christian faith is and how Jesus is on a day-to-day -day level. When I chop onions, I wear swimming goggles and Rita makes fun of me. But I don't care because it stops those nasty little army-like gases attacking my eyes. Have you ever been around an onion, children? Your eyes do something when onion juice and air sort of tries to attack it. What happens is, um, you could wear goggles like me, and, but if you're like too proud to wear goggles and you think you look stupid, which it does, if you just want to like do it, you've already got this inbuilt mechanism to help combat evil onions. To help combat like nasty onion air. And what happens is, like there's this mechanism and your eyes start watering. And the water is trying to push out that nasty stuff that's coming in. So Jesus even cares about when I'm chopping onions. Jesus even cares about nasty invading onion air. And he's put something in place to help get rid of that. And I'm actually even thankful that he invented the guy who invented swimming goggles. So I've got like double defences when I'm cooking. Um, it's like, oh, and what are you talking about? That's a good question. But what I'm trying to say is, in every single level, Jesus, our best friend, has, is protecting us and wants the best for us. On levels that we forget. The one who breathed the stars into space. Well, not space, actually. We don't like the word space. It's just a, it's a terrible, undermining statement for what it is. It's not space. It's heavens that declare the glory of Jesus, sparkling around us like angels dancing. The one who made all that even cares about us chopping onions, that we don't get too much displeasure with our eyes. It's a fascinating thing. Like, don't overlook how kind Jesus is. Don't normalise that which is special. Now look around you today. Look at the good gifts in your life. Look at them. And thank Jesus for them. Because he's the best friend you've ever had. And even if you lose those things, he'll still keep you. If you're a Jesus-centred church member, he will keep you. You will persevere to the end only because we have a persevering saviour, Jesus, who never gives up on his church. Don't normalise what is special. So I'm part of like this fantasy football group. Fantasy fo and I want to start a Park End Fantasy Football League. So those of you who've got smartphones or a computer at home, what you do is at the start of every football season is you create a football team and then you get points throughout the season and we can form a little Park End League and like have a trophy and a curry night at the end of it. I'm part of um, uh, Paul Blackham and Liz Blackham and their family. We're all in this Park End, uh, in this uh, fantasy football league 
And I'll let you into a secret, folks. I win it every year, and I mean every year. And what's happened is that in the early days of my victory, because it's been going on for years now, they used to like send me an email when I would win. It's quite a special thing to win a fantasy football league, by the way. It takes a lot of thought. And they used to email me, wow, I win. well done. Special achievement. You have won the Black and Batstone Fantasy Football League. Well done. Good. But as the years have gone on, I've noticed their emails at the end of the season have dried up. Their text messages no longer come. Do you know what they've done? They have normalised that which is special. It's just become commonplace. It's not even a thing for them to think twice about anymore. The travesty. So I go out of my way to remind them that I have won. And this year me and Rita sent like a little video of me receiving a trophy that I made for myself just so I could remind them <laughs> that I had won. Yes, I am sad. But it's actually a really important point. Don't normalise that which is special. And every single viewer here is a hell-deserving sinner. And every single person here has cause to look around and be thankful that we're not only not in hell, but for people who trust in Jesus, they've been ransomed, restored, healed, forgiven. If you're in the West watching this, you have more comforts around you than any other like uh, civilization that has ever lived. If you get a toothache, you can pick up the phone and there are people who can help you, probably that day. If you've had COVID-19, you've got people working hard on vaccines for you. You don't deserve that. None of us do, if we're honest. We spent our lives in rebellion to the living God, taking his planet and himself for granted. But look around at the special things that Jesus has done for us. On a personal note, Park End Church does manage to function in lockdown. Do you know why? Because the Lord Jesus has brought around me a very special team of people who have bothered to serve the church. We've got people in church who open the doors early. They get up early and they come. We've got people in church who make sure the lighting works. We've got people in church who have given up their evenings so that we can run online things. We've got people in church who have gone round houses delivering letters. We've got people in church who have been ringing people every day to make sure their church family are okay and they've got shopping and their needs are met. We've got people in church who look after the money, the accounts. We've got people in church who do media. We've got prayer warriors in church who, though they may be a bit too busy to do more practical like, things around here, they're praying for you, your souls, your body, your minds. We've got people doing good works all over the place, checking in on people, 
None of us deserve that. And all of that has been invented by and gifted to us by Jesus. All good things are from above. But here's the greatest gift of all. Heaven now has nothing more to give us. Heaven allowed its very best member to leave there for a while and come down and save the world. There is nothing more for heaven to give. It's given Jesus. And when you trust him, you will see, I don't even need other comforts as long as I've got him. He knows my thoughts. He finishes my sentences and I'm trying to learn his words so I can finish his more. He's got my good at heart. He knows what I need to say no to and turn from. He knows how to cleanse my conscience. He knows how to handle my future, my week, my day. He makes my marriage better. He makes me better parent, son, daughter. He frees me from addictions and gives me something better to live for. He is worth living and dying for. That is the heart of Christianity. There's another thing that existed before the world began. It's all in Jesus, of course. 2 Timothy 1.9 God gave us grace in Christ Jesus before the time of the ages or before the world began. Grace is bound up in Jesus. Grace, that's things we don't deserve, is lavished upon us today. Grace from Jesus and in Jesus has been shared with us so that we can live, see Jesus, trust Jesus, grow with him. That's grace. It's all part of the plan before even the world was made that you can taste and see what the Father sees about Jesus, what the Spirit sees about Jesus, that he is altogether lovely. None of us deserve to tap into that life. But thanks be to God, he's a gracious God. He forgives us, he allows us to enter in. All of these things in John are written that you may believe and have life in the name of Jesus. Through him, all things have been made. Your best friends, your church family, your food, your shelter, but your new heart, the heart of life. That's why Jesus is our best friend. He cleanses our wicked hearts and sets it ablaze for the living God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, thank you for tuning in this day. What a friend we have in Jesus, and we will see you soon. Unless, of course, I didn't make it back from holiday. Enjoy looking for a new pastor. Make sure he's Jesus-centered.